I'm not getting enough sunlight. My vitamin D levels are fucking plummeting. That's yeah, and you know what? You're black. Yeah, so I've, it's worse you need for more. me. It's worse for me. You yeah. need fucking more. So I uh, so I picked up some cod liver oil and some uh, what the was that shit called? Collagen. Good for your bones. Good yeah. for your back. I dr- there's in some in here. So I picked up some of that that shit yesterday, and then uh, the next thing that's gonna get delivered to me is fucking. Uh, you ordered Organifi already? No, I'm gonna order it today. Oh, I'm, in, I'm intimidated by that. Dude, get it. It's like it's two thirty for a six month supply. I can't get. It. I can't get it. <laughs> it's two thirty. That's forty bucks a month. Six months. Six months supply. Fuck, that's a horny. Well, first of all, welcome to the show. This is it. Mm-hmm. It's um, really a well financed hang. Mm-hmm. I think recorded hang. It's very well financed. Don't be sorry. I mean, podcast with Jordan. This Archie. is this. Podcast is better mics and better setup than most things. Than most shows we go to. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know a damn thing about any of this stuff. And Final Cut, none of that shit. Teaching yourself stuff. You just learn it. Dude, editing is a nightmare. Yeah. Because there's like, okay, so there's like video codecs and stuff for Instagram. It's, it's, It's insane. It's fucked. Yeah. I pay someone to do it. I I want I was thinking about this the other day. I can get good enough to fucking do it for you. Like I can, mm. dude. If I had, I could get like four screens going. Do you know? And like in one of those, you know what I mean? Do you know what the fuck it's called? Uh, uh, uh. uh. Do you know what the fuck is that shit called? RevShare. What's RevShare? RevShare is you send them this stuff and they script all the the dialogue for you. So like in your uh, so instead of having to listen to shit and put in the um the subtitles for all your comedy clips, RevShare will write it all out for you with timestamps. And it's a minute, uh, it's a dollar a minute, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's good shit. Well, I mean, that seems to be uh, a little bit faster than my... You do it, you still have to put the subtitles in the video. 50 hours a, a week. Yeah, you could, You still have to put the subtitles in the video, but they do it fast and they get the return over time like 24 hours. I'm having trouble getting the video from the computer... To the, <laughs> to the yeah to, to the, the internet to the TikTok yeah, and then I'm looking at Gary Vee's like you know what the fuck and I'm like his videos are shot different like I have this book okay and it talks about like the foreground and shit yeah, and you got to make thumbnails and then Jay told me about this podcast that Packer got into that Packer like loved so much that he stopped telling people about and you know something's good when somebody stops telling people about yeah it. which one that's the art of paid traffic you knew it I yeah, yeah. It. I never really listened to all it. the guy no. says is this know how to be a marketer. He's basically just giving away information on how to be a marketer. Yeah. He's, he's test. He's like, it, back in the day, if behind you was an Oreo billboard, yeah. how they figured that out was they sat with people, asked them questions. You can do that on Facebook by like, I have an ad of our show. Yeah. We did the Big Crow show. I could have tested that against a different ad and mm-hmm. then you can kind of cost out your acquisitions by yeah, clicks yeah. and stuff, but we're not sophisticated like that. Yeah. I think, I think I got to change up my podcast game. I've been on the same podcast game for so long. I listen, I have my daily gaming podcast and then I have my health and fitness podcast and my comedy podcast. I got to cut. I have a, a, my, I think I got to cut the daily gaming one to a weekly one. I knew what you were going to say. Cause daily it's a lot. So that's, too much gaming. It's seven hours every week. And they pull out a lot of like little shit, which sometimes I'm like, I like the little shit. But maybe I'll just listen to the news on it and then just cut it there. I won't listen to like them answering questions and shit. But uh, I like to stay up to date on that shit too. And it helps that you do. For me, I need you like I need you to be that pocket need, yeah. when I go to ask. I don't know, but I feel like I should be listening to the Art of Paid Traffic too. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I honestly think there's a, a thing, there's like a point that it's coming to. Yeah. And see, I don't have any trouble getting up. I feel like I got a lot of D. Yeah. The, no, the trouble getting up just happens in the wintertime. I feel like because my skin is so white, I'm looping this back to the energy thing. Yeah. I have so much energy. Like today I was even asking work. I was like, is it possible to work seven days? Like I need money. Like I was like, is it possible? I said, how much do the dishwashers get paid? Dude, you need, I don't know. Just move to a shittier place. I, yeah. Yeah. I need four more roommates and, uh, yeah. And just live in a shit place for a while. This was quick though. This yeah. happened fat, but look yeah. at how nice. The it is nice, dude. You have a nice place. No, Things are set up Not nice. even about the place. I'm saying the podcast. Like yeah. I, I literally thinking to myself, like, are we going to still have a nice podcast? In yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, know. I don't know what your situation's gonna be. I know. Neither do I. Yeah. You'll be off by then, New York? Dude, hopefully. That's the plan. The plan is New York in three years. The money's coming in well enough for it. Like commercial shit and everything just is like popping off for no reason. I have no idea why. And then other things are like coming together. I got offered a, a movie role recently. No way. Yeah, my agent messaged me. Someone uh, reached out to her personally and was like, I want to cast Jay in a movie. Well, I think they want me to audition for this movie. Um, it's something about like... Uh, uh, it's a bunch of different people from different backgrounds and cultures and they're all uh they all are forced to like work together and it's like and then we all understand why we're all different kind of thing <laughs> but it's like a thriller totally or something yeah, yeah but i'm like yeah fuck for sure whatever i was like i got really no acting chops but i'll jump in and figure the fuck that's out that's fucking amazing yeah and then just reading just read every day that's that's the big one being on top of like those things reading exercise is like in a weird place right now because i just got the mri I got a back oh. problem. All the people what who are listening, say? I don't know yet. I just got it a couple of days ago, so I'll know uh, in two weeks. It's not like, and this is. I think this is the time I fix it because uh, the osteopath and the chiropractor both told me they're like, you need to like stop working out for like a few months. And I was like, no. That's. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but now that's been persisting for so long and my back feels really good right now. And every time I get it to this point, I immediately like start slamming it at the gym. And then the problem comes back. So I'm like, eh. and I was listening to a podcast where this girl was on who was like this um, professional sprinter. And she had this crazy back problem and she had to take a year off of sprinting and her back healed. She like was doing other stuff as well. And now she can like live weights. And yeah. Now she's, she's back. She's 100%. Yeah. So I'm like, just fucking take the time off that you need to take off. Yeah. Cause you want to be a hundred percent. Yeah. You want to be a hundred percent. I want this to be nagging me forever. So I figured out what it is. It's also, uh, my acupuncturist told me like I carry a lot of stress and tension in my lower abdomen and that's like causing stress on my back. So I have to consciously throughout the day, remember to relax my core and just like relax it, chill the fuck out. I always forget that this back issue is like a huge hindrance yeah, it's just something that's there. Life. Yeah, and it's something that's like on my to-do list constantly. The two things at the top of my to-do list are fix my back and learn how to drive. Yeah, when do you want me to teach you how to drive? Oh, I've got three driving lessons this weekend. Oh, wow. So like we're, huh. yeah. Are yeah. chicks? Are they babes? Um, no. Well, one's cute. They're all friends. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like that's like now because my schedule's kind of like figured out. I feel like we're all over the place, but I think people will oh, kind of figure it out. You can be wherever you want to be. I want to jump back to the yeah. Organifi in a minute. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. But um, this is the raw, like I was thinking about this today when we were, I was washing some dishes. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, it's basically live because I up, as soon as you leave, she's everywhere. Yeah. The yeah. podcast. Yeah. And I jump into Gary and I, I'm like, oh my God, how do you do this? 
Um, yeah. But, um, I, I've like through, because my work schedule changed recently, I have like, I'm work for four days on three days off that, and that has like set a foundation and structure in my life that I never, I haven't had for years because working service, I worked for service for years and I was like all over the place. My schedule was different every single week and having this, I'm like, this is how it's got to be. Because having your set days off, <laughs> this is how it's got. This be. is how it's got to be. You, um, I share that with you. We're just looking for that formula. Yeah, because now the structure's there. So now every weekend, I'm like, I have three days in a row where I can get shit done, and those three days are just going to be like this whole weekend's dedicating to learn how to drive, yeah. and then the next weekend probably two, and then after that I can do the test. Yeah. So three weeks I can just be like boom, 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 then done the test, and then that's crossed off the to-do list then i have my g2 and then i gotta wait a year till i can get the full thing but then it's like okay that's done and then it's like back stuff like working like the that stuff is a little bit intermediate 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 fuck that word intermediate <laughs> intermediate yeah intermediary Dude, yeah some words uh, that uh, 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 I just where did it even come from mediary i don't know. intermediate inter- intermediary yeah. is mediary a word uh, i don't know but some yeah someone's I, I i get stumped on I can't. I don't know. I think maybe my palate or something. I can't fucking Dude, do so, it. Yeah, sometimes my mouth gets in the way of words, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, uh, it's like almost like a tongue-lip ratio that happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, because I have that structure now, I can get things done way better. Way better. Because I know, like, the days I'm working, I know what I want to do on the days I'm working. I have, like, my five things I kind of try to do every day. So I, I when I, those are getting... I'm getting better and better at doing those every day at work. So it's like read, write, workout, social media, meditate. Those are the five things every day do those. And that, that just like constantly moves me into progress of like moving forward just as being like a generally better human being. I have a good question for you. Yeah. Why? Why those? And, and not so vague as to why. I mean, why is like, I resonate with this. Yeah. I'm that type of person. But I live with, you know, a guy who's not like that. I know a lot of people... You ask them, like, why don't you feel like like something's pulling you towards this thing? Uh, so yeah, so like, why are you like that? Why am I Why am I like... What's the motivation to put it all in this in this structure and think about it in terms of... Like, oh, I just generally feel better and feel accomplished and, and have, like, worth. Like, eh, without that, I think it's kind of, like, all over the place. The m- number one thing I've, I find when I stop... Um, doing those things. Like say if I know I have to do something, I have to look at my to-do list or I'm supposed to be writing right now and I'm like procrastinating on it. I just start swiping through Instagram and I immediately get a craving to eat like bad food. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just trying to fill the void with some dopamine right now. I'm bang. Yeah, I'm just trying to like suck something to make me feel good because I'm procrastinating on the actual feel good thing. I'm still trying to reset my habits from high school. Like I'm still trying to get that homework feeling out of doing what I'm supposed to do. Even though I enjoy writing, even though I like meditating is I, I every time I procrastinate on meditating, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> Cause it's my, I love it. Space. I love it because my whole life, my mind has been on just scatterbrain going crazy, like eating too much sugar and caffeine and, and, and white flour and all that shit. And my brain has been, nuts never clear never and then when i started meditating that feeling of clear thoughts being able to focus was like oh my god this feels wonderful just being able to lay lie down for 20 minutes and let my brain clear out is it feels godly and so it's just uh neural programming of me understanding that things i'm supposed to do are supposed to feel like homework and how much i hate homework but changing that perception 
Yeah, you're like almost changing the language for your brain. Yeah, yeah. I'm just being like, this is <laughs> this is a different. This is a uh, this is different. You're, like you do enjoy these things. The and I think a lot of people have to go through that, and a lot of people don't even realize that. That's what I mean. Like when I ask you why, is like I feel pulled. Like in the morning, like I'm I, like right now, I'm obsessed with lifting weights. Mm. I love lifting weights. Mm. And I just like want to do it, want to do it, want to do it so much and so much. And I just like, I live with Mark. Mark doesn't have that like want, that goal. Yeah. And for me, it's really tied into anxiety. It's like, I'm anxious. I know, even at work today, I was talking to Don. Just like, yeah, like I need something, you know, like I need a a little bit more happening. And that's just because I can't sit with it for a second. I think that's where the meditation comes in. You kind of just like, breathe chill out for a minute learning to calm down and know that things will happen over time as long as you keep working at them is like is comforting yeah um not needing to rush giving things as much time as they need because i think about it sometimes like what's the difference like i live in a house with two other dudes who are very good friends of mine and we're all comedians and we have a great time and like what if i uh my life was different and say like i started comedy at young i started comedy at, like 13 and then I, by now, it was like a blew up and I was a big star. I can think about those things as like missed opportunities, but would I generally be enjoying my life more and learning more and becoming yeah, a no better way. person? Would the end result be a better version of me? Because I still have to go down this path. I don't think so. I think if I had got those opportunities super young, I would probably be dead by now. I was abusing drugs like crazy without loads of money. If I was like, <laughs> if I was successful, I would have died. Drugs and money are fun, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're very fun. They, you can find them. Easy. Easy. Like, uh, they, well, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie. So drugs, it, there's no money, but there's drugs. Yeah. And there's a little money. When like somebody's selling drugs, there's a little bit of money. Yeah. But yeah, man, I'm very, very similar to you in that way. Like, you're just like, oh, yeah. I Even today, I got really emotional about my family. I was like, oh, there's only so much time. <laughs> I was just like, oh, there's only so much time. And I'm grinding this axe like a murderer, like yeah. trying to figure this out. And I'm like, yeah, you know, balance is good. Yeah. You have to you have to get to a place where you understand what the good and bad are and how to appreciate them. And it benefits your comedy huge. Living life oh is huge, man. Um, taking time to do all these things. Every time I start fucking just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, trying to really force jokes out, that's like they just don't come. And also knowing that they'll come over time, like you, you need to give that space. But you need to take those moments of rest. I take the day off every two weeks, like the real day off, like no work, no going to the gym, no writing, no reading, like the real day off every two weeks where I can do whatever the fuck I want. I can eat McDonald's all day if I want. I can fucking play video games all day. I can go out with a friend and go to a movie. I can do whatever the fuck I want with that day, but there's no shows. There's nothing else on the table. And that clears my head. That resets everything. And it also gives me something to work towards having the cheat day at the end of the week or having the day off every two weeks gives me a purpose so that when you're going when you're going through it's just funny because i'm listening to you and going like we're fucking comedians and chase like we're training and we do this shit and i mean like you think about somebody talking to a therapist about this kind of shit like it's so easy to be like yeah you're yeah, you okay? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, don't, we're yeah. fine though. I think so. Like, I don't feel. I uh, love that shit. I love that fucking motivation shit. Yeah, like I don't, I, I don't feel upset about things or like the one, one of the weird things I notice is the people who tell me who will say like you should, you should go to therapy, you should do that. Those are the people who are depressed, <laughs> and like I'm happy every day. <laughs> 
<laughs> like a sad dude is like, you need to talk to someone. I'm like, dude, I'm not taking your fucking <laughs> advice. You don't have it figured out at all. <laughs> I'm happy as shit. Yeah, dude, it's a fat dude telling a fit guy how to fucking stay in shape. <laughs> like, uh, I'm happy oh, all the time. That all just the time. brought me a ton of joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about... Because, like, nothing against the guy, but Mark is like that. Mark will come out of his room like a fucking bomb went off. He's just like, oh, man. And I'm just like, I don't live my life like that. No. I don't give a fuck. No. Dude, today at work, okay, I'm so curious about PC and left and right. I don't know anything about it. I, not, <laughs> I'm like a psycho in that if I don't know something about it, I'm like, yeah, tell me everything. Tell yeah. me absolutely everything there is to know about Yeah. So I was trying to understand like this connection between policy because Joe Rogan posted this thing today that uh, you can, they're trying to propose a bill in Massachusetts that you can go to jail for up to six months with a hefty fine for calling someone a bitch. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, how does it get to a point where it's like that? And you, you, you think about Twitter and like free speech and all of these things. It's just like, God, where did it go? Yeah, How? that that seems like a clickbaity thing to get us like riled up. Um, and, and I also, did it at work. I fucking I brought this clickbait shit into yeah. work, and I triggered everybody. And we were talking about it, and then I fucking left. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was your problem now. <laughs> yeah, you guys. <laughs> I think Trump likes to do that stuff to get people riled up, and then he does other shit on the side. But that that stuff I know I never worry about because I feel like those things even themselves out. Like uh, the we're at we're coming on the turn of the of the decade, and decades. Uh, normally they, they go with themes. There's like the Stop. 60s and 70s and everything, the movements and what people believed in and the music and everything. There were cultural shifts every single decade. And I feel like we can feel it now already. You can feel after the Chappelle special and after the Burr special, oh, yeah. how people are talking and it's like, yeah, we can joke about this now. Like it's funny. And people will be like, that's a, f no, no, it's funny again. It's, and it's, it's it cool was to funny. Talk about too. And it's just like that you can feel the shift of people, all these people being offended and those people like dictating what gets on TV and what changes and what all, what all these things are. Uh, you can feel it shifting back the other way. But there was so many benefits to what happened as like as much as this big PC movement pushed in one way. Like I was watching Ghostbusters uh, yesterday. The all female? No, no, no. The, the old one. The old one. And watching Ghostbusters, I'm watching the cast and I'm like, yeah, there's kind of like, okay, and then we put in our token black character here. And then this is how it was in the in the 80s making movies. And now it's not like that anymore. Now we have Black Panther. And now we see like gay people and trans people in the LGBT community going through that. Where it's like, oh, we're putting in the token gay. And it's clearly forced and it's clearly obvious. But we have to go through this stage in order to understand a culture and a people differently. And then it can just become normalized. Without this... Uh, these growing pains of like people being like, you're allowed to say this. You're not allowed to say that. And people bickering and fighting. We can't get to a stage where everyone's like, oh, we don't even think about race or sex anymore. Like we still do obviously, but we're progressing to a place where that, those won't be things. And you know what? That's a great point because I, w I always think about this. Cause I would like to question things in the space where it doesn't live necessarily. Yeah. So like it doesn't live here, but I think about the way it impacts art. And yeah, you have a more broad voice and a lot more people get an opportunity, but there's this other side to it where, you know, there's this addition by subtraction with scale in terms of color. So we're scaling color right now uh, against white, 
Yeah. It's still a color, but it's, it's the one that's like less attractive to sell. Yeah. And that is fascinating that, you know, I was talking to this dude at work, Gordo. Um, you know, I, I now love Gordo. I was on the rocks about him in the beginning cause we were like combative with each other, but I love listening to him talk and I understand uh, why he's so good to talk to. But you know, he just kind of said, he's like, gays have a lot of money. And it's like, yeah, like I, as soon as you pass that fuck you money threshold, you're kind of like black, Asian, Korean, you're rich. You, you're good. Well, and all these differences that people are, are frustrated about, mostly it's like we try to break it down into um, sex and, and gender and race, but it really comes down to economics. That's what it really mm-hmm. comes down to. Like if when you raise the economic base for everyone, all these groups that everyone's talking about that are marginalized and, and are disenfranchised and everything, it's an economic issue for many of these people. And so when you give people more money, when you I- implement a little bit more of a socialist system that can help people, then you start solving this problem across all board instead of focusing on one group at a time. And even be aware of like why you're in the position you're in. I think about that a lot. Like I don't make very much money doing what I do. But I do that to myself. I was talking to Mike, and it's just like, I can go to school. I can easily go to school and figure it out, get loans, and get educated, and, you know, program. Yeah. Like you. But that's another system that's dying. The, the, I, you, we can feel, I mean, I don't know who knows what's going to happen in the future, but it, it like, there's obviously careers where it's like, you need this piece of paper, yeah. you need it. But I don't know. There could be something that could like, maybe what, why can I audit the class, take the test? If I pass the test, if I ace the test, what was, I have the education, I have the information, but you didn't pay for it. Mark Karanakis, Krakenitis. Sorry. Yeah. It's, How are you? It'll be like <laughs> elevated gig work. Yeah. If you're like a good uh, surveyor, yeah. you'll just be like, yeah, I didn't take the class, but I've been in the fucking field for forever. It's, and it's, it's, what's the difference? It's like giving your, like you can, you have access to the information. Like this is, this is, we're talking broadly about everything when it comes to university, like obvious things like becoming a surgeon, those are different things. Like going yes. to school to become a surgeon is, is different than going to school to become a recording artist. Like, especially in the arts, those are areas where I think a lot of the people paying to go to school is going to flake because all the information's online and your the proof is in the pudding right away. If, and testing it doesn't hurt anyone. Like, if you're a surgeon, you fuck up, someone dies. Yeah. But if you're like, I don't want to go to school to become a recording artist, I'm just going to teach myself, and you teach yourself and the stuff you make is amazing, then, then what... People are going to buy it. People are going to consume it. And the <coughs> the idea that we have that you have to go to university, that you have to take out these massive loans to give yourself an education to get a career, we already see that it doesn't work because there is no jobs for these people. And then everyone's stuck with debt. People are going to abandon that that form of thinking. If anything, take out a loan for 20 grand, go travel the world for, for five years, and then come back and figure out who you are, and then and then uh, go after a career. And our, our life expectancy is going up. So taking time off to just fuck off off and figure out who you are before you go and chase what you want to do makes way more sense you don't get to get stuck in something before you know who you are are you th- you think you can get to like 95 good um me i don't know because I, I as much as i take care of myself and eat good and stuff i You're do like demon. i binge yeah i binge yeah. the bad um but it's so good to binge the bad it is but uh but i do i think that definitely will will hack some some time off my my life um but i do yeah i do like take care of myself a lot more than the average person but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I think no matter what age I get to, I think I'll be satisfied. Yeah. I'm, I'm very convinced that by the end, when like the end rolls around, I'll be like, it's good. 
I don't want a brain disease. Yeah, I don't want a brain disease. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be specifically sad with yeah. the brain disease because I have a lot of uh, like anger. Yeah, and I, I'll be one of those old men that never said that kind of shit ever, yeah. and then it's that's all just, my Alzheimer's is. Yeah. I'm just getting mad at the nurse. Yeah, and it's gonna be ugly. I think throwing um, shit I, at her. I do a lot of preventative stuff specifically about the brain stuff because that's the thing I'm most afraid of. Any anything crippling. The idea of being like confined. Or crippled in any way is like the biggest fear of mine. Like getting dropped on your neck. Yeah, like being yeah paralyzed, or even just being like kidnapped and tied down and forced to like be in a basement for your whole like. That's like I'm like I couldn't imagine anything worse. Like taking away your ability to just like be a human. Be in a basement your whole life. Oh, you mean like ninety like, percent like of what we do? Yeah, like what we're we doing. I just think of chained to a radiator or something. Um, Get real sad with it, eh? Yeah, but. Um, no, yeah, the brain thing uh, would be the worst possible scenario. I'm not like, because that's torture. I never want to go through torture. But death, I'm like totally welcoming. I'm really excited for death. I'm actually. kind of excited for it too. I want to die a hero. I, uh, I've <laughs> all, seriously, I've always wanted to die a hero. <laughs> that's the fucking funniest thing to say. Super casual. I want to die a hero. <laughs> What I, I and I committed to yeah, it. I, I, I want to die a hero. hero. I think it can happen. Hey, I, yeah, it can totally happen. Here's the problem with dying a hero. What's the problem with dying a hero? You're kind of looking to die. You know, like yeah. <laughs> the problem with dying a hero is I don't want to be, you know, with someone that I love, and I'm like, oh fuck, here it is. Mm-hmm. Here's you know? the here's, here's the, moment the moment to die. And as I'm a just hero. like, not yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? What if I'm like 36? And I'm like, fuck, I could be doing some heroic shit. Or I could just yeah. wait for the ambulance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to die. Or I could just wait for the ambulance. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I've never thought about dying a hero. And that's the kind of shit that the PC people are missing. It's thoughts like that you got to attack. <laughs> I'm triggered when you're like, I want to die a hero. It's like, wait a second. You're not going to save people? Yeah. Are you going to like wait? That's what you want people to yes. be triggered by. Everyone should be trying to die like a <laughs> yeah, hero. Yeah, everyone should be trying to die like a hero. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I've never thought about how I want to die. Well, other than like I would like it to be like swift. Like I was, I just flew to a fucking uh, what was it to Moncton? I just flew to Moncton. I was talking to Cameron about it on the plane, and I was like, "Yeah, I was like, people were talking about people get afraid of flying, and I was like, I don't, I'm not afraid because like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm I, not afraid, I'm not afraid of flying. Well, I think also I was been on planes since I was a little kid. Like first time I flew I was like four years old or something, but. I think dying in a plane crash would be phenomenal. Yeah, you enjoy oh, it. Oh yeah, like if you're if you're gonna pick a way to die, dying it's instant death. Like you you zoom to the ground and like that part's probably freaky and terrifying, but you might get, <laughs> but you might enjoy. I it. feel like you might be underselling. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little freaky. freaky it's know? a little freaky. But also, you when you die, it's not like oh, you're not like drowning where you're like <gasps> like gasping for air. It's literally like a massive like shrapnel rips your body to shreds. You're dead instantly. <sighs> but then there's that movie reality where like I don't know you're you know, stuck on an island or not something. even the island. Just like you live and you break all your bones. Yeah. On the impact, but you're you're aware of it. That's a possibility. And you're on some door that floats forever because yeah. the you know Germans made it. Yeah. Yeah. Those damn Germans. They're good engineering. But it's more likely that you die with just fucking shrapnel ripping your body to shreds, and you. Okay, would you rather be sucked? Are you want to be sucked out of the plane, or do you want to hit the water in your chair? Oh, water! No, I'm not wanting any water. You don't want to get hit. You want to get sucked. I don't out. want to drown. 
No, well, you die on impact. I think you die on impact. Maybe you might drown in that situation. That's I what w- I'm saying. Do you, what do you think? No, I want the I want the plane to hit the earth, the hard earth. Oh wow, not water. <laughs> no, the hard oh, earth. Oh, so this pilot is inept. This oh. pilot doesn't know how to do it. Dude, something happened. Wing snapped off. It's we're barreling to the earth. It, we hit the earth. The fuel ignites. Boom! Flames. Not just flames. Everything is just like literally plastic rips my body into shreds just flying off things metal and plastic and i'm just dead so quick that's like that's beautiful okay here's another death question yeah because i think i would be okay with this if you knew it was happening like say oh that flame is gonna blow something up but you had like 20 seconds which obviously in this adrenaline filled time is like 10 minutes yeah i think i'd be okay with it like the fact that i knew it was happening now i would be like Yeah. yeah yeah if i like died now Cause I've always thought like, what are you going to, wait, you going to complain on the way down? No. Yeah. I like, I mean, I hope cause you're in that state. Forget. So you have no idea where you're, none of us know what we're going to react in the state of like with death in your face. Like instinct is to freak out. But I, I've like looking like, say if you died and then you got to look back on who you were, I'd be like, yeah, it was sick as fuck. Oh my like, God. Like we got to be like, well, like I've never been rich or anything like that, but it's like, dude, I got raised in a in a middle class family. I got raised in Canada. Like, I've never been like fucking uh, starving or like I've I've never had to worry about things in a deep way. Like oh, the worst so nice. thing that ever happened to me when I moved to Toronto, I was I had nowhere to go. I had to be homeless for a little bit. Um, but that was. I, I made the choice to be homeless, even that I could make that choice. I choose to not go to Vancouver and stay with my dad and, and build up some money and then move to Toronto because I knew it would be too lazy. So I knew I had to go straight to Toronto and just figure it out. And okay. I figured it out. And Wait, give some context for this. Che is a comedian. He's been on Just for Laughs, Crave TV. He, when he moved from Mexico, you were... Go ahead. Yeah, when I moved from Mexico. So I, I like had money dwindling in Mexico. I was getting... Uh, like I didn't get a new visa, so I, was, I got like a 20-day notice to get out of the country. And then I had a choice. I wanted to be a comedian. So I could move... <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I had been doing stand-up for maybe about a year down there. And uh, I could move back to Vancouver and I could live with my dad. And I could like stay on this couch and I could raise money and then move to Toronto. But I knew I was too fucking lazy. I knew I was too fucking lazy. So I was like, no, I just got to go to Toronto. So that's what I did. I just fucking I sold my, I was a scuba diving instructor, sold my scuba equipment, bought a plane ticket down. By the time I got to down to Toronto, I had like 25 bucks and I stayed in a youth shelter for like six months. But even staying in the youth shelter was like, I was like, this is sick. You get your own room. There's food every day. It wasn't dirty or anything. It wasn't like a men's shelter. It was like people, no one was there who was older was twenty well, was older than twenty four. Everyone was super nice. It was like staying in like an, a hotel. But honestly, no one I know or have ever met would ever say that about a youth shelter. Yeah, but that, <laughs> like I just I don't know. I was happy. There's and just I, something about you, Jay. I I just was like I'm in Toronto. I'm doing what I want. And I told them that I came there to do stand up, and they're like, Yeah, totally. They would let me break curfew and go out every night and do shows. Oh wow! So I was doing shows. I was getting fed. I was living free. I was saving money. Like I was like, Oh, like this is like there. What could be a better situation? I moved to Toronto with. $25 when I got there and this is my situation right now how can I be upset about that I mean yeah that's pretty amazing yeah you're like yeah okay I, I'm, I have a place no rent no food made for me every day like this of course this is sweet so if I was to look back on my life I'd be like yeah this is a win this is a win man. well that's your like uh, that's your like Ellen where Ellen's just like wait what 
you were, and then you, you're like, oh, let me tell you a little story about the uh, PlayStation or whatever. With this yeah. Game. And everyone hates you for a second. And then you're like, ah, but I won. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, yeah, they love you again. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, I, I, I don't know. I, that's just, that's just. Do you ever uh, think about that? Like what? the fact that the story lines up, like when you have the dream about being a comedian. That I can tell like that I you're was just homeless. Like, well, you're just like, yeah, like I, uh, I have a story that is this thing on the rise. Yeah. Not because yeah. it's this thing on the rise, but that's the way we treat it. Yeah. We're yeah. like climbing that fucking Philadelphia stairs every day. Yeah. Um, I guess so. Maybe sometimes I think about it. Yeah. It would, it would sound good in a book, but honestly, like I, I don't, I don't, I've tried to write a bit about it a few times. I can't get the bit to work, but I don't like, um, like I would never present it as like, I was homeless. It was tough. Cause it wasn't, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't like I literally, I landed, I got to downtown Toronto. I did only have 25 bucks. I went to a Starbucks. I Googled Toronto homeless shelters. I went to this place. They, this kid was just getting kicked out as I got in. So I got to bed immediately. And then I was staying in this place that was kind of like a glorified hotel, but they gave you like food and everything. Beds weren't great, but it's like, what the, f- who gives a fuck? It's free. It's free. You have a bed. There's people trying to get you work, helping you update your resume, telling you where to get free clothes, like all this shit all the time. And like the alternative is going to a men's shelter where there's bed bugs and people are fucking on crack and fucked and like trying to kill each other. And like, that's the alternative. So when I was looking at my situation, I'm like, this is good. So I'd never boasted as like me being like, I was like, oh yeah, I was, I was homeless. It was a struggle. Cause no, cause other motherfuckers are really homeless. Okay. Wait, when did you have enough money to start living outside of the shelter? Uh, probably about six months. I think I did four months in that shelter. And then I went to an intermediate housing thing, which is like, you can come and go as you please, but it's still free, but you make your own food. Um, I went there and I stayed there for two months and then I had enough money to move in place. And then I moved in this really shit place with some comics that was dirty as fuck. Did you, did you ever go to uh, 15 Whitaker? No. Well, I think this is before your time. You're way before probably. So 15 Whitaker is this famous Toronto comedy house that comics like Dave Merhedge lived there. I think Mark DeBonis lived there. Garrett Jameson. Like a lot of t- great Toronto comics have all lived in this house. I live in this house with Dan Guyrie, John Morley, and a really good friend of mine, Matt Kilborn. He's not a comic, but he's, he was a musician or he is a musician um and we're all living in this house it was shit but it was like 400 bucks a month but the place was disgusting like it, after i left like the the uh and you're was, saying this yeah, yeah yeah the kitchen would leak like it was gross as fuck there was uh, there was uh, squirrels above my bed like like in the ceiling above my bed you hear them like <laughs> run around and shit place was fucking gross but it was fun it was fun and just why because of the Vibe? Comics? Yeah, because it's just everyone chilling, not giving a fuck, living in a shit fuck place. No one gave a fucking shit. And we're all like, yeah, we're just trying to fucking make Be it. Funny, as, yeah. yeah. And then what ended up happening with that place is, uh, so this guy who owned it, what was his name? What the fuck was his name? This old Portuguese dude, like Alfonso or some shit like that. Uh, Armando. His name was Armando. He would like come and get the rent. He was deaf. He made his own wine. You go to his house. <laughs> <laughs> But did the wine suck or what? Uh, I never drank the wine, but some people went to his house to drop off the rent. He'd be like, drink this wine. And apparently it was strong as fuck. You drink a glass of wine and you'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, fuck. Did I say he's blind? Oh no, he's deaf. No, he's not blind. (laughs) You drink this wine, you go fucking blind. Yeah, it would fuck you up. Like he, uh, so he would, uh, so like he would just deal with the rent and he owned like three of these properties, all house comedians. Uh, And they, 
I don't know. I think because the there's the only like the house has just started like falling to shit, and he didn't want to do repairs on them. Maybe and comedians will just live and there. we're like, we'll just live here. The, the rent was cheap, and he's like, I don't give a fuck. Just give me my rent every month. Yeah, that's fucking it, and that's it. I don't give a shit. But these even run the fuck down. These places like were valued like uh, I don't know like nine hundred thousand. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Toronto and, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But uh, but they were a great location. They're downtown. They were like King of Bathurst. Like they were like right. Did Ernie live in one of these? Yeah, things? Ernie oh, lived in here. Oh, because you know any stories I've heard about how shitty Ernie's place yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same. That's Ernie the same lived house. in the same place I lived in. Wow. So I, he may be in the same room. Wow. Um, and so like if all these turnovers means Armando didn't give a fuck. He just wanted his rent. Then Armando died. So Armando died like a year ago. And uh, after he died, his kids got the property and they're like, we're selling these. Yeah. Well, immediately. They're each, like each one. I think the one... Uh, that I lived in it. I think it went for 900. It might've been, I remember hearing someone said it got quoted at 750,000, but I think it went for nine and it's a, it's a, you have to gut it. This is a a rebuild. Yeah. It's a fucking, it's fucked. Uh, it literally, there was a basement that was, that had a, a full bathroom down there. You could have turned this into a whole other place. No one stayed down there cause it was fucked. It was so fucking gross. You know, you couldn't, no one would dare go down there. What was what was going on? It was just like full of trash. <laughs> fucking, there was, I think there was mold down there maybe. Like it was fucked. And it was a full bathroom and everything. Wow. But still fucked. Um, so after it got, after it all got fucking shut down, and, uh, after it got, it's like, yo, this is this place is getting sold. Um, the guys who were staying there were kind of like, okay, well, we got this much time left before we have to leave. And there's this massive eviction party there. So it was an eviction party that was like- I think so, you told me about this. It was huge. It was nuts. It was like several generations of comedians. <laughs> so like all the way back to like- uh, comics who started like fucking 10, 15 years before me all the way up to like my gen and then after all at this eviction party. Plus they're like spanning friends plus other people who just fucking crash there sometimes. It was like this crazy party. Lots of coke. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of drugs. Yeah, in this shitty rundown house that everyone was like, oh, I fucking lived here. And nobody went in the basement. Nobody went in the basement. No, I mean at the party. There was Not a baby even at, there at the one party. Point. You know a party's fucked up and a house is fucked up when you're at a party you don't go in the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go in the basement at every You party. go, but yeah. But yeah, that was a fucking good time. And That's then from there, where'd you go? Uh, I moved out to East End Toronto and I lived there for a little bit. That place kind of got shit. Um, and it's also, it was far, it was like far East End. It was like Coxwell, um, which is like, it, it would take me like 30 minutes to get downtown. Like and a lot of the clubs and everything are down there. So it's like a, it's a unnecessary trek. Yeah. Now I live in little Italy with the, these two guys and like biking. I'm down, I'm fucking on a bike. I'm in the city in like 10 minutes. Yeah. So it's like way be- better for the commute and everything. Um, well, we're right in the heart. Like I was even thinking oh, about yeah. this. I was like, fuck, you know, since I've had to move in Toronto, I'll keep going more and more North. And yeah. I realized like if I ever have to move again, I guarantee you I'm going to be out of this little bubble. Mm hmm. If I can get it cheap, fuck it. I'll get a car. I'll move a little bit up higher. Yeah. Just get a car. Yeah. And then that, that's where you'll trade the expense. Get a car. Get a car. Sounded like I was from Perry Sound there for a second. <laughs> Getting the sound and the resound. Mm. Okay. You're talking about Organifi. Yeah. Dude, I watched that. Did you watch that Game Changers documentary? No. There's what? some good stuff in there. It's a plant-based one, right? It's a plant-based one. I'm not... I don't know how I feel about the whole thing, but... Some of the attachments to plants and your blood and the way it works and like the endothelial function of your cells and stuff. It's just like plants seem to allow for that a lot better than these like meat proteins. Yeah. But I think if you're hitting like 
80-90%, you're good. I think we got to, as like just human beings, we got to decrease our meat intake and increase our plant intake. Like yeah, just like three times a week. Yeah. Um, but I also think that if you're eating grass-fed beef or grass-fed anything, like properly like organic fucking animal products, the all like the research done, like it, meat increases cancer, all this, it's all done on factory farm bullshit meat, which is what the majority of people eat yeah. by far, yeah. But if you change it, to I'm eating organic meat all the time. This it's completely different. You're what you're putting in your body and how it treats your body is a completely different statistic. Well, that's why Joe uh, looks 39. Yeah, dude. He's hunting fucking elk. Dude, and he also totes. gets like fucking ozone injected into his body and shit. Oh man, Joe's been rich for so long. Like it dates back far. I was listening to uh, Skeptic Tank where they yeah. were talking about all the podcasts. Yeah. And they would just say how like Joe would take them out and they would like wait to order because it's like. Dude, he's been bawling since the 90s. Yeah, because he was on news radio. That's a syndicated television show. And that's back in the day where they just, they didn't even, they didn't even know how money worked back then. Yeah. They just gave you so much. They're just like, here you go. And they were doing nothing on that show. And then he was on Fear Factor, another syndicated television show. And now he has the biggest podcast in the world, man. He's made these things happen big time, big dog. We need a guy in the group. Where's yeah. our Joe? Where's our Joe? I don't know. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah, we don't have. Yeah, but you know, we don't have those shows. We don't like. There's no like Canadian shows that like. Oh yeah, Chase on fucking. No, Canada like podcast radio <laughs> own uh, entertainment industry. It's like a vicious cycle in Canada. Like we have CBC and we have like Bell and we have these people who like make content and they're kind of branching out now with the streaming services. We have like Letter Kenny, which is like a good show. It's a good show. Hulu a, owns Letterkenny. Oh, Hulu owns Letterkenny. Yeah. Okay. Um, it went around, man. I remember when I first... I swear it was on Crave. Crack, it was. Crackle. You remember Crackle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crackle was like this bell thing that was yeah. like shitty, but it had commercials and it had Letterkenny. Yeah. And then Crackle became Crave. And then Letterkenny was like the featured thing on Crave. And then yeah. they lost it. It went on something before hulu bought it and now hulu has that show with uh, mirage in it Ram. yeah 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 the and Ram apparently show. it's a great show dude and all these like with the with the canadian entertainment that's the thing is like now it's gone now it's, now that show's not even canadian anymore i know it's like it's owned by hulu who's hulu's american right yeah we don't even get that shit here um that like the canadian entertainment industry just keeps crippling itself because the cbc will make boring content that appeals to like the 60 plus crowd they'll try to branch out a little bit but even the stuff they do with like the with the other other shows that they have that are for a younger audience they're neutered every time you watch them like man just fucking make a good joke yeah, like watered down it's always watered down man so but because they make that content a younger generation doesn't get interested in their content so then they have to continue to make it for the older people so it's this vicious cycle that they're caught in and then we just have this inferiority complex with America, with any American-made content. Where like anything, when you hear about it's a Canadian show, I I'm in my bones. I feel that it's shitty. Yeah. Like it's gonna be shitty. It's gonna be cheesy. It's gonna be hammed up because that's what we get all the time. We don't like the Trailer Park Boys is a fucking is a diamond in the rough, man. It's so funny. It's dude. so good, but nothing else like that. Think of Trailer Park Boys has been on since I was like. Fucking twelve years old. It's like uh, real life um, South Park. Yeah, pretty much. But think like that shows what like 10, 15 years old. Yeah, and there hasn't been another show like it in that time. Sure. That's fucking insane, dude. That they're that it's a massive success, known around the yeah, world. That's a good point. And they haven't tried to make another thing like that. Yeah. What the fuck? 
It's it's but that's why we all leave. Cause we yeah, you know what else though we're really bad for? We don't create systems with just even what I see in comedy from the entertainment side. Like I've talked to you about this before. Like the clubs don't have like a fishing system. They don't have a farm of yeah. people where they're like, yeah, okay, so and so works at another bar X times. Like we, we know that there's people there that they go, I send them once a month, there's a show there. Like there's none of that. And New York, that happens organically. LA, that happens organically. And mm -hmm. Chicago, all those places. Because those people know that, like, you get sent for auditions. Most yeah. of the people that are in the auditions are people we know because those skill sets, that's it. Yeah. So it's like, ah, even, I was watching Ryan Long. He's been doing those videos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, they're funny. It's so like, good. Holy shit. Like, it sucks that they don't get, is he still going to do Trontopia? Uh, like, I don't think so. Because like that was the best shit that they had, and yeah. now that's American. Like yeah. literally, Ryan's like, nah, I gotta go. I'm in the states now because like states. it's like you know how much they were paying him like nothing to do Torontopia. Millions of views too. Yeah, millions of views. He's getting fucking no money for it. Like like you can't. He's not living off of it, and it's this huge hit. And it's just like man, and it's like oh, millions of views. People want to watch us. Maybe let's turn this into a show. show yeah. Maybe let's do something with this. No, they don't do it, man. They don't. And so it's like, and I'm not going to sit here and beg and complain about it. Like, I'm just talking about this now to just give, give people the understanding of like what we're dealing with. Yes. But it's like, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to be like, oh, when's the Canadian entertainment industry going to shift? No, fuck off. We're going to leave. I'm going to go to the States or go to the UK and go to somewhere where they have an established system to let you move up a ladder. Well, that's what this is all about. Because I realized like, uh, like Luke Lindell's going to come on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I would like to talk about my 40 shows in 40 nights. Yeah. Or whatever, uh, 30 nights, 40 shows in a month. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, uh, yeah, I, mean, I you know, I'm really wanting to share that story. It's exciting, but like, we do that. I know people that are doing that all the time. Yeah. And then I realized, like, yeah, you know, that axe isn't such a important one in terms of don't put all your eggs in that basket. Like, get good at stand up, like anything. Mm -hmm. Get good at it. Put that into focus. But unfortunately, we live in a time where it's like you have to build it as well. Like yeah. Ryan is a great example. It's like you want to be like, Ryan's funny. That's awesome. He's good looking, whatever. Dude, put the work in, has a base, is a brand, can go to an office and be like, here's my <clears throat> here's my millions of opportunities that I can create for you. Yeah, 100%. So it's like, how do you do that? And I'm not going to create that strictly with stand-up every night, every night, every night, every night. Yes, I want to do it, but I realize now that it's like, this isn't where you know, the, the, the money's going to come from the skills that I'm getting are going to be able to generate the opportunities. It's not like, Oh yeah, I saw you at yuck yucks. Here's a, you know, it's like, no, because I was practicing comedy, I was able to write a show through this vein because these jokes were working and I work in this community and I understood and I was able to sell it because they heard the podcast and they knew I could do well on top. Like it always links even the most amazing, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't get the host job, but I was a bit closer because they had, the podcast, they had like things that you think are meaningless. Yeah. And it's valuable for people. Yeah. You got closer than anyone else I recommended. You were, you got the closest. No one else got brought in for an audition. And I was, and I did well in the audition and, uh, it's just like, you know, that's why you got to keep that stuff going. Like, yeah, you can get down on it. You didn't get it, whatever, but fuck. But no, but it's like, what's the next, what's opportunity? The next opportunity? What did I learn from this? And, and it's taking what you're saying, taking advantage of all these things you have. Like I'm at most amazing top 10, but it's a big YouTube channel. And I'm like, okay, so like, what can I do to really get involved with these people to like really maximize the time? Like I, ideally I'm going to be in 
Toronto for the next three years. So like everything I have is full tilt, full gear. I know where I want to go. So like, I want to be like the guy at most amazing top 10. I want to give them a lot of ideas. I want to be involved in a lot of things they do. I want to put a lot of time in this company because it's going to not only benefit them, it's going to benefit my career. This is boosting that I'm on a YouTube channel that's 5 million followers. I, you know how long that would take to build that on your own? I'm just in. 20 and, years, probably. And my so, and now my social's blowing up. So I'm like, okay, what else can I do? Okay, bring them people. So I got Nima to come in. And Nima did a video at Most Amazing Top 10 because Nima has an Instagram following. So I'm like, okay, do that. Maybe we can reach out to more people. Keep giving this company stuff so that it gives me stuff in return. Put in the work that's going to help your career. Because I'm like, when I can build a strong social media base of these people seeing me on Most Amazing Top 10 and are legitimate fans of me, they're going to watch my stand-up. And then they're going to consume my stand-up. And then they're going to follow me into the next thing and the next thing. And then that's going to get you booked. And you got to apply that to everything, man. Like I was even telling a boss, when I look at his YouTube, I couldn't see how many subscribers he had. And he's like, oh, when I get to 1,000, I want to show how that it's 1,000. And I'm like, you know what? I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Because as somebody that's building something... I bet you want to contribute to knowing you're at the beginning. Yeah. And especially if you're like, oh, I was 170th uh, and now he has, you know, 10K and he does well and he's an actor. It's like, I, I listened to that podcast when he started it in his room and he was just shooting the shit. It was like 45 minutes. It's like people talk about that shit all the time. And that's why I've been thinking a lot more about social media, you know, calling Nima, talking to you, talking to a boss, like how the fuck do we leverage Cause you look at these kids on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and you're going, the only thing not in your way is knowing better. You don't know the things I know. You don't know that there's like K Trevs or Chase or like yeah. guys out there smashing every night. And you're like, oh, I gotta get better. You're like a puppy. You're like, I gotta get better. They don't know. They're just yeah. like, I'm a hot girl. Yeah. <laughs> and millions of people want to know. And they, you kind of need that. Uh, to mo to go like even with the podcast, like, you know, in the beginning you're like, Oh, we're kind of going all over the place. I'm just like, yeah, go. I, yeah, I realize yeah. the more all over the place that it is, the more it's fun for all of it. Even at work, like today we got everybody in that conversation. I'm realizing content, content, content. You know, you're gonna be, I'm gonna be Gary V withered up, but I, I get what he's saying. Like, but it, yeah, and it'll figure itself out. You yeah. figure out like when you see the opportunities, that's when you take them. When these doors open, you're like, okay, I'll move down this one, this one, this one. You need to wait for these opportunities to present themselves. Sometimes you can shut, like, force things to happen. Yeah. But when you, but it's things will open up in your life, and you have to be aware to it. Like, have you ever read The Alchemist? Yep. It's all about just like you see the omens. You see these things happen. Take advantage of these situations as they happen. And when you are when you see opportunities in front of you, it's like, yeah, okay, I got to take it right now. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate on them. Take these because you don't know how far these snowballs are going to roll and how big these advantages are going to be for your life. And the more you think in that way, the more you start structure, structuring your life around constantly moving it in a direction you wanted to go, like... My life is like, I want to be a great stand-up. I want to tour as a comedian. I want to be, I want to master the craft of stand-up in such a professional way where people are like, this guy smashes, this guy's great. I will pay to see him. I need that content. And that has been my focus. So everything, so when I found out, I got the job at Most Amazing Top 10 from my buddy, Johnny Rogers. He, when he told me he was working there, immediately I was like, he told, described to me, I was like, I would love to work there. That's something I would love to do. And I was, I probably bugged him about it a couple more times. And then the opportunity opened up, I was there. So like every time, every interaction I had with, with John to get that job, I was making sure it was 
focusing me in that direction. Yeah. Like I, I want all the pieces of my life were going that direction. And then when it started to become more realistic and I was working with you at Fetsun and doing and working at most amazing top 10, I was like, okay, I'm going to quit service. Service doesn't, it, it doesn't do anything for my career anymore. I have a job that legitimately feeds my career. Now it's like, okay, loses. I'm going to make less money but I'm going to be moving in the direction that I need to go in. So now cut service thing, make less money, but constantly getting closer to what I need to be. And okay. When you cut the service and you, and you, you know, you're making less money, what's the initial feeling? Oh, it's going to be fine. I never worry. I like, it was the same thing when I moved to, to Toronto, like as much as I was like, uh, as I had no money, I was like, it's going to figure itself out. Not everybody has that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I'm always like that. Like it's like, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You are always like that. Yeah, like I like even when I moved to Mexico, I'd like I don't know, I had I had way more. I had like seven hundred bucks, but I had seven hundred bucks, and I knew I was getting a job down there, and I didn't know anyone, and I when I moved here, I didn't know anyone, but I'm like it's, it's gonna be I don't know. It's gonna be See, fun. I, I think I think in knowing you, that's like a skill. Like sometimes people just are born with stuff that's weirdly developed for no reason. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a character trait, because like I'm very attached to the restaurant business. Like yeah. I know that it doesn't function at all in any way really towards the end goal but i know that there are things that do and Mm -hmm. i use it for that but when it comes time to really move on beyond it yeah like you need that skill set to be like yeah this is uh this no longer contributes to the overall goal yeah well yeah and it's it's about also seeing that it's like okay well what am i what do i want to do like there was there's a moment when i was i think i was like 21 or something like that and I, i like took some time aside, like sat down on my bed and I was like, what do I really care about? And I broke it down. The three pillars of what I've kind of lived a lot of my life, but it's the exact same thing as the podcast. It's video games, fitness, and comedy. Those were like, I'm like, these are the three things I care about a lot. Make sure those are always a part of your life for the rest of your life. All the women listening are like, yeah, such a guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the dream. Video games, I want to laugh. And I want (laughs) to fucking work out. (laughs) That's it. But I was like, these things have constantly brought me joy for my whole life. I watched comedy like crazy when I was a kid. I've been playing video games like since I was fucking, I don't know. There was one in the in my Forever. house before I was born. And staying fit and staying healthy is something that legit, like beyond like happiness, makes me, my body feel good. Oh, yeah. So I was like, okay, those will be the pillars and foundation of who you are. And I was like, what am I spending all my time doing? And I was like drinking and trying to fuck girls. That's it. That's all I was doing. So I was like, okay, why don't I just do that way less <laughs> and bring these things that actually contribute. What was I doing? Fucking chicks and drinking? Trying to fuck chicks. Bring that down. I'm going to bring up. Sometimes you're not fucking anyway. Sometimes you're just drinking and then you go home. Most of the stuff. time you're just trying. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I was like, okay, thus just bring up these other things more. And the, and and make sure those are the foundation. And that's just this exact situation. It's like, okay, so like, who who am I trying to be? I'm trying to progress my career as a stand-up comedian. This job that I just got is ideal. This there's, is it. This is, there's no better situation. Stick with that. Drop everything else. Service is going to make me more money, but what do I do with that money? I eat it. I just, I spend on food every single time. So it's like, oh, well, who gives a fuck? Just eat and spend less money on food. Yeah. No, especially when you're working out. If you're working out like crazy, yeah, you're, you're spending all your money on food. That's yeah. all you're doing. And if you want to eat good and stuff, it just like it racks up and you're just like, well, but whatever. You, you, you'll figure that stuff out over time. But that 
all that stuff blends into my comedy too. That, that mentality. Like I've realized that that duality is what my standup is too. Like the, the wanting to go out and consume and the darkness aspect of it. It's like, I like, I still enjoy partying and trying to fucking get laid and do drugs yeah. and, and play video games all day. I still enjoy that shit. That's why I give myself that day once every two weeks. So it's like, it can be there and because I can still consume those things in that way. But everything else, the, the nerd shit, the working hard, the, the chasing stand up, the, um, constantly reading and educating myself on fitness like those aspects that duality is the same as my stand-up my stand-up is all very highbrow lowbrow I'll take something smart and make it stupid make take something stupid and make, make it, it smart because that's also what i find very funny because it all always makes not always but usually makes something absurd and i find absurd things very funny and then also it gives me what is my honest perspective on stuff see that's like I needed that ability where you're organizing your thoughts. That for me was the crux of even the podcast. I remember when I started the podcast, because now I'm thinking I have so many more friends than I did five months ago. Mm -hmm. Like I'm so much better suited to do this now than I was then. Like, yeah. And you know, sometimes people do rush into stuff, but you need to sit with yourself and be like, okay, how do, how do I actually operate? Dude, I find this with dating. I go on a date. It sounds terrible. I go on a date. I do not want to go on another date. Like not even because like I, you know, either we had sex or whatever the fuck happened. Even if we didn't have sex, I don't want to go on another date. Like I just get it. Like I get, okay, yeah, you have goals and you like stuff and yeah. you want more things and it'd be great to unite with another person to get stuff. And I'm yeah. just like, I don't need it. And I realized that I put this in everything else. Yeah. And then I wonder, like, sometimes, is, is that really all I'm doing? Is just, like, focusing on stuff that I love or like, then love it? Yeah. Because, you know, you spend time with your, like, your family. Like, this is nice. Or you spend time with, like, a girlfriend after the second date. <laughs> You're yeah. like, this is nice. Even though you tell yourself you don't like it. No, but I understand that completely. Like, I, this was a while ago. It blurs I, the focus a little. You it know? blurs, it blurs the focus and we're, like, it's it's finding that balance and it's also like uh meeting someone meaningful that's a it's getting deep into that it's not something you can release very quickly yeah. so if you get deep into it and it starts to make you sacrifice things you don't want to sacrifice so you start to have to take time away from stand-up and time away from whatever else whatever your other passions are or like educating yourself on on how to run a podcast and all those things starts so taking away from those things and you don't like that that's going to affect the relationship and then you're like okay i don't want the relationship anymore you have to break up that breakup process is who knows how the fuck long especially yeah. with the other person doesn't want to break up and then that's an emotional tie for you as well of you not being able to be your best self at your work which is your passion which is what you want to do so that investment into a person is very risky like I, I went on a date with this girl and I really expected it just to be um, like, uh, like we kind of like flirt and we, then we make out at the end of the date and then maybe we like fuck for uh, <laughs> the course of like, Oh, the best day in the yeah. world. Well, not, not on that date, but like <laughs> we, we have sex for like uh, a few times over a few months and then you never see each other again. Like that happens. Sometimes. Yes. That's what I really expected just based on our conversation and, and stuff. We went on a date and we had like a really honest connection. I was like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. No, <laughs> no time. I don't have time. As far away as you can get. Yeah. Like I, I really, I can't, I don't have time to be the person be that person because yes. I can't I can't 
it's like, well, I can see you once every two weeks, maybe. And then even then I'm like, what could I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> see, the reason people think we need therapy is because a small part of that is the just uncomfortable feeling of the commitment, but backed by a lot of logic. Like I don't have time for it. Like it's I like, actually don't have time for it. It's like, it is kind of overly logical. And that's why I do sometimes think yeah, I'm like, is. is it when I think about these situations, I'm like, eh, someone be like, you're running from something. Am I, am I running from? No, something? you're, we're just gripping the bat real tight. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we're just Ugh. like, I, I, I think like, oh, is there, Am I trying to fill the void of a person or of a problem with work? Am I trying to do that? Okay. Do you ever have this moment where you're doing something and you are like in your house or you're like out and you're like, I wish I had a girlfriend here right now? Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes I'll have, not often, but I'll have that lonely feeling. But usually what I realized, I have related to the same thing as going to the social media and eating the bad food. I'm like, oh, I'm actually supposed to be writing right now. <laughs> and that's why I feel like shit. Oh, I need and then sugar. as soon as I get my shit done, I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I need anyone. Do you want to know something <laughs> weird about me? If I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm like the horniest I am ever, ever. Yeah. Like in the, I don't know what it is. Like if I wake up, if I go to bed at like 11 and I wake <laughs> up at two, I like, I like, fuck. I don't know what it is. And I feel like, that's really the only reason I would have a girlfriend. It's yeah. because like I, those moments where you just have these weird cravings where it's like, Hey, I got to unload this crazy emotional thing onto somebody. Hey, I loved, loved you for 17 years. Here's another fucking thing. Yeah. Or it's like, I, I, I have this weird thing I like to do and you do, we do that. And it's fun. It's like shit like that. Everyone, anyone that listens to this is like, what the fuck is it that he does? There's no thing. I'm just saying like, whatever it is, if you get up in the middle of the night, you're like, I got to fuck. And your girlfriend's like, yeah, let's do it. And it's yeah. like, that's what you want. Yeah. Everything else. It's like, it requires too much work. Yeah. It requires a lot of work, a lot of time. And I think it's those things will become more appealing over time. Like I think we're in a very selfish point where like this time is very valuable. The opportunities that are oh, opening yeah. up for us right now, like there's people offering me stuff now. Just offer like, yeah, I got a movie, oh, offer to be in a movie. It's not a big movie, but that's never happened before. Someone's offering to put me in the where movie. Where they're like thinking about you. I'm yeah, no, I don't that. even know who this person is. And I'm like, okay, that's fucking cool. Where I'm getting offered to to audition for, for uh, I got a, offered to audition for this uh, web series that um, that this uh, weed, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it, what it is, and we'll go detail, but they're a big weed like uh, forum. They, they, uh, they offered me to do this TV show and I couldn't do it. Not a TV show, it's a web series. But it paid really well, and I couldn't do it because I was on tour. But then they reached out to me for another thing to do, to like, oh, you want to come in for this, and we'll talk about this. And I'm the like, all these things are like in the forefront, and it's because I've been working my ass off. Yes. And the idea of giving time to a relationship just doesn't sound satisfying or appealing or or rewarding in any way. And that okay, one of the beauty things about knowing you is because obviously you know in stand up, a lot of people see you because you are a fucking amazing comic, and they're like, oh my god. And they love, it's the David Goggins thing. They love to say like, oh my God, you know, Che is so gifted and talented. And I don't think of you that way. I don't think of you as somebody who's like, wow, he just walks around and it's so easy for him. I'm like, you look under the hood. There's like, yeah, well, there's all the, fu- all the, you know, in the cupboards, they're all full. There's shit you got to do all the time. It's like, that's what's attractive to me. It's like when you look at the Will Smiths and all those people that did eventually make it, how much time did they spend on the all-encompassing reality that is what they're doing. It's like it's put you're putting in the the work. Like I remember one of my first shows in Toronto. 
um, Kyle Lucy got on stage and they brought him up. They said, this is one of the hardest working guys in the Toronto comedy. And I was like, I want people to say that about me. Yes. I immediately had that thought and I was like, okay, like just work, work, work. And I made a standard. I made a minimum amount of shows to do a week. And I was like, I'm never breaking this minimum. And I was just working, like writing, working, working, working. And then when I don't put in the work, that's when the sadness comes. That's when the fucking like, oh, I miss someone. I want someone yeah. to, because I'm like, I don't, I know I'm, I'm slacking at the things I should be doing. That's giving me the fulfillment. That's making me feel good. That's going to make me proud of myself. Yes. The work is the work is the fun part. Yeah. Even though it brings on the struggle, it's the fun part. It's the best part, yeah. man. I love like right now I'm at the Swedish stage of comedy. This is my favorite point in stand-up where I've been working on some new bits. So me and Andrew Packer and Jacob Balshan, we went on the road, we did the Jokes and Tokes tour throughout East. We're on the road for two weeks and I had like my 45 I was doing and it was hitting, it was good and I moved the stuff around and we moved around. I was like, okay, this is like almost, I think it's ready to be recorded. The first album, I don't know, it'll, it'll be good. I don't, I don't, it's not gonna, I don't think it'll define me, but it'll be, I'm like, this is, this is good. This Amazing. is good shit. But now I'm like, that's good to go. Now I get to just work on new shit as much as I want. So like I'm just working on new shit. And now, so it's like going back, new jokes, like bombing, bombing, bombing. I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't think I can ever write a new joke again. And I haven't, <laughs> every single time, yeah. every time you start writing new material, you're like, oh, there's no good stuff, blah. And then, but now I have like, like um, 10, 12 of new shit. That's like bang, 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 bang. And when you have that 10, 12 of new, that's like, hitting and you get to do it and it still feels fresh you don't feel like you're cheating because it's still so new that when you do it on stage you're like well i still gotta test this stuff yeah. out even though it bangs i gotta give it a few more runs and you're just banging with the new stuff and you're like i got it i got it, i got it this is the greatest part of stand-up for me when you've been working at the stuff and now it's like it works that's the greatest and do you feel like because you've created this body of work that does work you feel confident that like, you know, the next one's just going to be even better. Cause it's almost like, uh, it's like snakeskin. Oh yeah. No, I'm really excited for, uh, for what the next, like when, it, like hopefully the next time I develop a large piece of material will be an hour long. So like that's, that's ideally what I do from now to however long that'll be. Um, but I think it'll be way better because the f everything I have before is like from the first time I did stand up to like now, like the six year point um, and figuring that all out. And even that, like it, my 45 is good, but so there's dips, but there's some parts that hit really hard and, but there it's, it could be punched up and could be changed and maybe I should work on it a little more, but maybe I, some part of me is like, just put a fucking label on it, put it out Do and it. then, and then work on the next thing. Cause the next thing is so much I'm so much more in tune with my sense of humor now than I was the entire time of doing stand-up before right in January something shifted in January maybe it was moving into a house with new people but I don't know what it was but something shifted in January where I, I wrote this like new 10 minutes well not just straight up it was 10 minutes of new jokes that I've been working on and then when that part when that that moment happened with what I was just talking about where everything's hitting it was this new voice that I was coming out in where it's like all the jokes were really weird all of them were absurd all of them were stupid they were, you. They were me it's like yeah. really my sense of humor and it was the first time I had ever done that and I was like I got it I figured out how to write jokes and then it goes yeah. and then it was gone I couldn't write jokes like that anymore and it's like now I can like 
touch when I write now I sit down and I really try to feel that like giddy like in my soul that that thing that like okay I really like this is goofy and funny like I really like this I try to feel that while I'm writing and it doesn't always happen it happens like say like one out of ten times right now but I'm getting close to it I had it never I didn't even know it existed before and now I'm able to like focus on it at least a little bit so the next thing that comes out hopefully will be majority me going into that and then maybe the thing after that will be I have a at least a, a hold on it and that's why I think when you see guys like like the last burr special was so fucking good so good because he's in that he probably 24 7 he's able to be in in his own sense of humor and being able to project jokes through it and and he can just create magnificent material I imagine at their level, when it's like a Burr or a Chappelle or even like Joe, I know Joe spends a lot of time, he writes it all, but like as soon as you start a premise, you're like, well, this joke is going to go like this, just based on how I write jokes. Yeah. Like, uh, whereas from where I'm at, like that doesn't exist. So it's like watching somebody that does understand that and then you watch how many specials, like Burr has a very, same with Chappelle, they have a very similar kind of, uh, theme that they talk about and the joke just kind of gets a bit different or it's a different angle. You're looking at it over here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very interesting. And it's going to be, <clears throat> if we're lucky enough to make it to that level of comedian, those guys are the best in the world. But if we're lucky enough to make it to that stage, that it's going to be interesting because making jokes about uh, whatever, like all the stuff they were joking about, about all the issues that are going on right now in the world. Uh, all the things that are taboo to talk about, all the things that are controversial. There, we don't joke about that stuff. No. And not b- because it's lack of... Uh, awareness. Uh, awareness or, or because we don't want to push anyone's buttons. It's because everyone at the open mic scene is talking about that, a way shittier version of what they're doing. Like, it's, And so it's like, uh, like, it's almost, it's so clogged with that at our level. But they're the masters of it. They're the ones to talk about it. They're the ones who are going to be on the stage and set the tone about what these things are and make the best crafted jokes about them. So when you get to that level, when there's a political issue going on, you get to pick it and you get to talk about like when the Cosby thing happened. How many Cosby jokes were there? There was Cosby jokes everywhere. everywhere. But fucking with Jim Jeffries' Cosby joke, he did a Cosby joke in his special and it banged. He opens with a Cosby joke and it bangs. You get to take these huge political events, these huge happenings, and you get to make uh, jokes about the biggest things happening in the world. And maybe when we get there, we won't want to. Like Maybe, but you also take on a, like, eventually you speak for a voice. Like, yeah. Burr speaks for that, like, annoyed, you know, Midwestern fucking, I have a gun and fuck off. Like, just shut the fuck up. I get it. You know, yeah. you want me to be this. Okay, shut up. But I get it. Yeah. You know, leave me alone. And then Chappelle's just like that cool, like, yeah, but it's funny because it's funny. Yeah. And he speaks to that that person where it's like, you know, I was talking to somebody about Hannah Gatsby. They speak for a certain person, but at the value of what the art is, you can be subjective and say, okay, there's not really much elegant stuff happening. You know, with, with what happened with Chappelle, with what happened to his birds, like, yeah, but there's a very high level of sophistication how it's put together. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like, they're speaking for a voice. Stanhope, you saw it with his fans. He's speaking for Whoa. that like biker, sweaty, stinky person. So I, when you do get to that level, 
you do get to say that stuff because you're speaking for way more than just you. At our level, yeah. if you go <laughs> to an open mic and you drop a couple N-bombs, you're like this, you're like, you're just a guy speaking for yourself. Yeah, this is fucked. You're fucked. Um, but, but you see guys at a high level. You see like a Jesselneck or you see like a uh, uh, Nate Bergazzi. Like Nate Bergazzi's on a big rise right oh, now. Yeah. And those guys aren't talking about any of that kind of stuff. No. Like Nate Bergazzi is just like his comedy super clean. He's specifically it, clean though. Yeah. But he's, but he's like, but still hilarious, like top level hilarious. But like, I don't want to goof around any of that stuff. Like, I, I never touch on that shit. I have no interest in political shit at all. Like, I'm not very well informed politically. And also, I just don't give a fuck. Like, I'm here to goof around. I want to talk about fucking beans. Like, I, I don't give a shit. I just want to fucking say dumb shit. I'm not here. If I was... If I wanted to make a change or, or make a statement or do something like that, I would wouldn't be doing stand up. No, I would I would uh, like, I don't know. I would go dil- dig wells in Africa or some shit. Like I would, I would really try to push people in that way. I see. That's the same. It's not that I want to make a political statement. I just like it when people are like, in my world for a second, because my world's like that. You know, when you put that coin in that thing and it goes around. Yeah. My thing just doesn't have a place where it enters. It yeah. Could, you could fall. You could get points the up top. Ball just keeps rolling. Just keeps rolling. rolling. But it's also just where you find funny, man. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I don't find funny in those things. Probably because I just don't consume it a lot. I don't sit down and watch the news or watch political debates or like when it takes people, a lot of energy though too. It, but it's the same as to like the way we put uh, effort into health and fitness. Some people do that into learning about uh, political politics. Yeah. Uh, politics. Um, but you or like uh, when people start to get outraged and there's outrage culture, I immediately go like, ugh, ugh. like I just I'm like I don't care. People are upset again. I'm like, what's the weird funny shit I want to joke about? I'm like, dude, like I don't know. I'm gonna go see Terminator. Uh, Dark Fate. That movie's probably gonna stink, but I'm gonna love it. No, oh, it'll be good. You think it's gonna be good? When they were like, "This is like the this is the craziest term in the air. I was like, "Yes," because Cameron's back. James Cameron's back in it, and they just like they just keep upgrading the Terminator. He just keeps getting better. This one is like half goo, half hard. And Terminator. I love how like uh, like ageism plays into Arnold's yeah. termination. Like he's like he's like the, he was so you know crazy intense, but it's like yeah, you're like the first iPhone. Yeah, dude, he's <laughs> old now. He's, he's old. Like, and they're just like there's a team they're kicking ass it's gonna have explosions and see like i'm like that's a good time that's what i'm here for i think that's very much the difference do you think that's why the joker wasn't as uh entertaining for for me just in general like okay i know some people loved it but even when i was watching it like i liked the the movie but I think, you know, getting bogged with Marvel for as long, it yeah. might have changed a little bit. It might be. But I, I went into that movie not thinking it was going to be a superhero movie. Like, I went in knowing this is yeah. just going to be a story a about a guy, uh, like, his and his how he becomes the Joker. And based on who the Joker is, it's going to be, like, a lot of the things I predicted. The reason I didn't really enjoy it, I would give it like, I don't know, like a six out of 10 or something. Like I kind of felt bored throughout the movie. I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought the acting was incredible, but the story I thought was extremely predictable. I thought the, if, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do some Joker spoiler warnings. Like I'm not going to go deep into anything. Go but, as deep as you want. But, uh, but I thought the tie-ins to Batman were bad just because they they pulled me out of the like i'm watching a real man go through real struggles and seeing his life actually deteriorate and it's depressing and then when it's like 
Bruce Wayne. I'm like, oh, like I think of Batmobile is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, it took me out of his story and, and all the, the twists and turns that happened that were supposed to be him, his life becoming more depressing. I predicted because I'm like, this has to be a story of a man breaking. So when they reveal the thing about the girlfriend, I was like, Oh, of course I called that. I called either, either she's going to be fake or she's going to die. I was like one, cause that needs to be a breaking point for him. And when they reveal the stuff, when they're like, um, Oh, like it's like uh, Thomas Wayne is your father. I was like, no fucking way in hell. Because if they did that, that's so hack, so cheesy. That's a Luke. I am your father. We're yeah, I'm the enemy. I'm yeah. actually related to you. That was like, that's, that's a, so I was like, for sure. That's not true. And so when it got revealed that it wasn't, I was like, of course. And then when he kills fucking De Niro at the end of the movie, that's pulled right out of the dark Knight rises. So I, I, from the moment you see De Niro show up, I'm like, he's going to shoot that guy. He's going to, I don't know if he's going to shoot him, but I'm like, he's going to kill him. They, He's gonna kill him. They doubled down so hard on the connection to Batman. Yeah. Like the fact that the one of the crazy people kill, was killing Martha Wayne. Like <clears throat> what I thought was, and I think about this about every Joker movie, why isn't there more maniacalness? Like even the girlfriend, spoiler, whatever, the girlfriend should have been really his inner Joker. Like it should have been what Harley Quinn is to him. Yeah. In that she should have been like more crazy. Yeah. Like so that it wasn't like she was just her character had no tone. Yeah. So she was just like, okay, she's probably not real because she's not doing a lot of things that are real. She wasn't like, like giving him bad ideas, being like a conscious figure almost. Yeah. And if she would have had more of that Joker esque brain of his, the projection of why his reality was so distorted would have seemed more authentic versus him being like, oh, he also doesn't get this girl. You know what I mean? Because the Joker's never, the Joker doesn't do things because he doesn't get it one way. If it doesn't work out, he loves the game. Like, he, he's like, ah, that was fun. Yeah, a Joker's someone who ab abides by no rules of society. Yes. And that was him kind of breaking out of society, which was true to the Joker. But something that really wasn't true to him was I found his character very unintelligent. And, like, he was kind of a moron. And, like, kind of, like, he was helpless. And it was kind of him being like, I'm not helpless anymore. I can take control of myself. But he was still stupid. And he the was simple, too. He was very simple. And the Joker is a genius and there was never any moment of him being like uh like i thought it would make more sense to me if he actually is a genius but he's like forced to take care of his mom but he sees the world in this weird way and he's constantly discarded and his genius is discarded and he's pushed under even though he's brilliant like a walter white situation where he's brilliant but he's forced to live this bullshit life and then you break and then you're like i'm taking control that's the joker story i'm looking for where i'm like yeah okay he shot some people he killed some people but it wasn't this like nothing ever tricked me nothing ever fooled me i was talking to another person about it and they said the scene where the two guys come into his apartment, the 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 dwarf and the the big guy, and he kills the big guy. Yeah. And he's like, the whole time that scene was happening, I was so uncomfortable. Like I was like, oh, I know what's gonna. And I was like, yeah, of course. I was like, he's. I come into this movie expecting to see him murder, murder some people. people. He's the Joker. Yeah. So that whole scene, I'm like, yeah, you're gonna kill people. Though honestly, the best part was when he scared the dude. He's like, yeah. ah, and he's like, yeah, like that was funny. But uh, but yeah, I I really just felt. Like it was kind of predictable and, and I didn't, it didn't move me in any way. Even with him as a comedian there, like you're saying like, okay, he is a very smart character. He has a lot of things going on as a comedian. You know, he could have bomb, bomb, bomb. He could have shown a bomb. And then you could have seen him like snap and actually make the jokes that he makes. Joker yeah. has very classic, like 
<clears throat> he does like carnival style stuff mm. where he'll talk about like oh you never knew that this was a thing and yeah, yeah. it's like death yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like piles of blood so there could have been so many more sporadic moments instead of this like <clears throat> that's where if you pay attention to the comics you watch the real movies they need to draw from that more the cartoons because human beings when we're watching it as human beings we're so caught up in one thematic but in the cartoons we're able to be drawn into in different like ways it's like oh, i feel fear i feel safe i feel this but in the movie it's like you want to feel uneasy or i want to feel like batman's gonna do it or i'm gonna you know the whole yeah. time and there just wasn't enough of that being used like when you compare the joker like heath ledger's joker to guacking phoenix um the the like the brilliance was there in Heath Ledger's Joker. Like the first time you see him introduced, not the first time, when you see him introduce himself in the meeting with all the uh, wow. gang members. Yeah, they, he like walks in and he's doing his weird laugh. Aha, aha. And he's walking in. It's like, first of all, how did he get in here? He's smart enough that he got in here. And he's like, kill this dude. And he kills the guy right away. He's like, boom, kills this guy with a pencil. And then they go up to kill him and he's got grenades. He's like, I'm one step ahead of all of you guys all the time. That's what I do. Yes. I you'll never get ahead of me. I'm ahead of Batman. And like he, it's it like I just didn't get any of that. I felt I felt kind of bored. I just was like I I see where this story's going and like for for me to really connect with the characters like it's depressing that his life is falling apart. I'm like, yeah, I see that every day. I walk around downtown and it's like it's like could you imagine? Yeah, I can't I don't even have to imagine. I see homeless people and I see life falling apart it kind of felt like if you are watching this movie being like I can't even believe this then you're disconnected from reality like this is yeah this is this is what the fuck so well, many people are dealing with you're watching that movie going fuck he's got a nice apartment yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're like shit he's doing pretty well yeah yeah for a guy who can't keep it together yeah you're like man that guy's uh he's got something going on you're like fuck like you're right. When you watch the, when you watch that first Dark Knight and you watch it like a, a few times, even just his interaction with everybody is always very Joker. It's like, yeah, but I don't care, and you're probably gonna die. Like, yeah, that's I abide by no one's rules. I live this way that like I is completely unhinged, but still calculated. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I I I want to know what other people saw in the movie and why it appealed to them so much. Because I I don't think I've had an in-depth conversation with someone who really enjoyed it. Besides the one convo, he was like, I felt uneasy all the time. And I was like, that's not enough for me. And the the emotional baggage, like... um Like, you're you're right about that. We do see that a lot, where people's lives fall apart. um, Like, to prop it up in terms of if you struggle, you might go crazy... I get why there was this scare about it. Like where mm. it's like, oh, if you struggle, you go crazy, you shoot somebody. That's kind of the way the dance of the movie worked. Mm. It's like, you know, his mom, as soon as he found out that his mom was nuts, it was like, that's it. It doesn't matter. And it was the social, like the social commentary, the system failing all of us. The system's yeah. falling apart. The system's failing and people having enough and revolting and and, and coming coming back to, to take what's what they believe is theirs and to stand up against the rich people pushing down on them. I think they did a good job of making Thomas Wayne, who's throughout all of DC Comics is seen as very much of a hero, making him seem like a villain. I thought they did a very, good, cool, jo- yeah. very good job of that. But they're like... Like seeing that, it's like, yeah, people are disenfranchised and people are upset. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm living it. Like, this isn't shocking me. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I live in a, an apartment with two other dudes, and like, I'm I'm not fucking. I don't have uh, any sort of mental disorders or anything. But I'm like, 
yeah, like it doesn't, someone living that life doesn't surprise me. And so I'm watching it and being like, yeah, duh. And like the violence towards him, like uh, in the beginning where those kids, they take his sign and they beat him up or whatever. That um, was felt so specific to his world, whereas Gotham didn't feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. It was just like as soon as you saw Thomas Wayne, it's like, oh, here's a press junket of him talking about like clean up the city. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah, okay, he has this thing where he gets beat up by these kids. But it could also be that he's the fucking clown outside of this clearance store. Yeah. And these kids do this all the time. Yeah. Not that Gotham's an unsafe place because then he goes back and they're like, well, you really want me to believe that these kids took your sign? So it's like, what? They don't even think that that's going to happen in Gotham? That yeah. somebody's going to, just for no reason, take this kid's sign? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's a, that's a good city. Like, I think they're really trying to show how rejected he was with that. Being like, even when something bad yeah. happens to him, people won't believe like, him. He's no. rejected, rejected, rejected. And then, because then he gets attacked again by these rich guys. Like, the themes were all there. I thought all the themes were played out well. Like, the rich against poor and people feeling like shit and, and just being cast aside. I just was, wasn't shocked about any of those things. Those are all old hats. Like yeah. rich versus poor, old hat people, someone being torn apart and thrown away is an old hat and all predictable because based on what I know about the character already. And so I'm, I'm like, yeah, give me, I, I left the movie without being shocked or surprised or scared or happy or sad. Like I left going and be like, okay. And I want a movie to do something like that to me. I want to leave a movie being like, holy fuck. Fuck, especially a movie like that. Like, I, if I go to an Oscar award, like I don't know if it's nominated for an Oscar, but if but I go the to, buzz was around, yeah. Maybe. And if I go to a movie that's been nominated for an Oscar or has won an Oscar, I want to leave like, Whoa. when I go see Terminator: Dark Fate, I want to be like, oh, like it's gonna be stupid, and yeah. I know it's gonna be stupid. I'm not expecting to get odd from that movie, but this movie presented itself with the marketing that it was going to fucking shift me, and it didn't. Yeah. Even even the way uh, like the the trailers had him running right yeah and they made it seem like he created a big thing and then had to go somewhere else to finish something yeah because in the dark night that's a big theme like the Joker's got a plan happening over here but he's gone like yeah. he's got to go somewhere else and they always had the in the trailer he's always running he's always running so it's like fuck they, oh I gotta see this there's gonna be some death and shit yeah and people you know you, I, people are like oh the death it's like no. It, in that cinematic universe, the death is amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you think about Batman, he's way worse than killing people. Yeah, Knocking them out? Beating the shit. <laughs> way worse. Just whooping their asses all the time. It's uh, 7.15. Yeah? Oh, yeah. We should probably jet. Okay. Well, thank you. No problem. Thanks Fuck, for having me, man. This is fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Don't be sorry, podcast. Fucking all right, man. Chaterina. Fucking, uh, we got to get out of here. We got to go do a comedy <sighs> showcase. Comedy stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later. Love you all. Thank you. Subscribe. Do things that help grow. <laughs>